Hi, my name is Harrison Hayes. I'm the creator of Born Clutch, a podcast designed to give you tools to perform at your best consistently. Here, you're going to learn how to be better under pressure and create your optimal zone. I'm a state champion bowler, lifelong athlete, and a record holder, and I know what it's like to win and lose at the highest levels in individual and team sports. After I caused my team to lose in a state championship bowling event, I went down a dark path of drug and alcohol abuse, and I found myself living a life I was ashamed of. After finding God and getting clean, I devoted myself for the last 15 years to the study and practice of what makes the best in the world clutch. I have now coached professional athletes and are qualified nationally in other sports using these tools. It is safe to say I've cracked the code on how to be clutch consistently. If you're ready to take on the challenge of winning the battle of you versus you and transform yourself into what I could say is a clutch master in any area you want, then join me now. I hope you enjoy and welcome to Born Clutch. Hello, welcome back everybody. Oh my goodness, it's been over a month. I can't believe it. However, this last month has been (laughs) insane. And I know people say that kind of stuff all the time. I'm sure of it. You know, like, ah, keep me so busy that I can't do anything else. That's not totally true in my case, but this past month has been one of the wildest months of my entire life. And I do not just say that. It really has. I've gotten to go to a Formula One race, the largest event this year in the U.S. down in Texas. I got to go to the Tennessee Vols football game, the one against Ole Miss, and the fans were (laughs) not behaving at the end. And I also have had a chance to coach a team to nationals. It's my first on doing that. And I have a special guest that's going to be coming on the show today as well. It's our, actually just a pre-recorded interview. However, she's gonna. I'm going to go through, let her give you some information that I've had a chance to teach her twice a week, pretty much every week for the last three years, close to it. If anybody has a lot of the information and can bring it back out and say it in ways that maybe I can't say it at this moment, it would be her. And that's Tori Graves. And so super excited to have Tori on. Uh, just give you some snippets from our interview that we did. So that's going to be awesome. Then we're going to go through the football game and then into Formula One where Lewis Hamilton actually at the event was talking about the conscious and the unconscious mind. It gave me goosebumps. Well, so cool. We're going to talk about that as well and just a lot of great stuff. I mean, honestly, and my goal with this is to be able to let you share in these experiences that I've been able to go through past month now, ways that I think in these stories, you can take things away from them that are going to be able to help you in big ways. So just going for it in a story form type of way. I told you in this episode and beyond, that's what we're going to be working on is being able to give you practical tools that you can take and you can learn. But something that I learned a long time ago, and this holds true in many different situations, is metaphors are very, very powerful. They can help teach you things and show you things that you didn't understand until you got them in a story form. So that's what today is going to to be about is metaphors on what you need to take away in order to continue to grow 
And you can go ahead and do this and practice this now, letting the unconscious mind take over. And it's something that you have to train. It's something that you have to do consistently whenever you're practicing. It has to be focused practice on that so that whenever you're in the game, all you have to do is consciously speak to your unconscious mind and that will allow the unconscious mind to take over and do what you trained it to do if done correctly. And that's what that's what I want for you. Whenever people are playing their best, whenever I'm playing my best, the people that I coach are playing their best, it's when the unconscious mind has completely taken over and they're able to think about things outside of the game or whatever task they're doing. They can think and look at the situation from a higher point of view and therefore they're able to perform at a higher level. I hope that makes sense because that's what this is all about is allowing the unconscious to take over. Again, it just comes up to focus practice. So the the first thing that I want to do is introduce you to Tori. Say hi, Tori. Hello. So Tori has, like I said, been somebody that I've coached for a very long time. What she's also done has been one of the best players, if not the best player in the region. What we have done is qualify for nationals, something that I've been trying to do with the men's team uh, for seven years before I moved and gone for three years, came back, started coaching the Jills. And this is the third year and we finally had a team that could go to nationals because with COVID, now to have that team and to be able to finally do it, really, I would say this podcast has had a huge impact on that because it's gotten me in a position where I've been forced to get more comfortable with talking about this stuff because this stuff has just been in my head and I've been using it and practicing it for so long that talking about it with other people was not comfortable. When I used to coach the Jacks, I never talked about this stuff, ever, because it felt, woo-woo, is it just a placebo effect? Is that the case, or is it really working? And it took me a long time to realize that it is really working if you've practiced and if you've worked on it. I've learned that it was really working is because a buddy of mine, we both started focusing on this. I was living with him at the time, my wife and I, where when we got invited to move and go live at the beach and we were just transitioning houses at their place, we both wanted to qualify for the national championships in disc golf. Disc golf is very, very competitive and we're amateurs, right? We're not going for the pros, but we're going amateur route, trying to get there and only two teams to three teams, like a regional tournament, are able to go to that. We're playing at our home course and we're playing against people that have traveled a long way to come play this course. It's not their home course, but they are really good traveling because they all want to go. And it's a ton of people in our club that want to go that I would say are even better than us. Again, getting back to why we ended up not qualifying the first year. And then we made a commitment that we were going to qualify the next year. So we worked all year long to improve our game and our mental game. And I worked with him. I talked to him about this stuff. We were both in our zone. Whenever your two people are in the zone, it makes a huge difference. And now think about if your whole team is in the zone. That's what happened with the Jills. So, Tori, let me ask you this. What have you learned the most since I started coaching you? At the beginning of practice, at the end of practice, I feel like I've heard bits and pieces of your podcast. You've been able to share with us your knowledge and your experience about how big of an influence our mindset and being in our zone really has on our play. I think some of the biggest things that you've really taught us 
has been about the negative and how our brain can't understand when we say something like, do not do this, do not think about this or whatever. And that really helps as not only as a player, but also as a captain to be able to instruct other people to give them a positive thing to work on and setting a goal rather than just saying, oh, don't do this or don't do that. And being able to change our mindset in that way has been extremely helpful in my play, but also in helping my teammates in their play. What Tori's talking about is how the unconscious mind cannot decipher a negative. And what that means basically is that if I tell a teammate, don't drop the ball, what you've just done is you've essentially told their unconscious mind to drop the ball. It's huge because once you start training your mind in this way, in the negative way of doing it, it's going to cause reverse effects on the player. And so instead, we want to approach everything from the positive. What do we want them to do? Catch the ball. That's what we want to say. We want to put it and frame it in the positive because, again, the mind, the brain cannot decipher a negative. And it's the same exact thing if I say, don't think about the pink elephant. We've talked about this before. Whenever you tell somebody not to do something, the unconscious mind can't help but do it. And so that's why you don't want to tell your kids, don't cross the road. What are they going to do? They're going to cross the road. This is what she's talking about. And also, Toriel has, in my opinion, she's been somebody, and I have a few players like this, that they're normally our leaders, which Tori is, she has been one of our captains since the beginning. She's... She's been the captain for the longest period of time. She has, I would say, worked the hardest on her game. And she's also gotten married. She is going to school. She's in the graduate program. She's working. And ultimately, she's able just to get so much stuff done. That's what's so impressive about people that I've coached over the years, the eight, nine, ten years that I've coached in college, is there's a few people that are just doing so much all the time, and they're they're impressive. Next. Next, what I want to talk to you about are goals. Setting individual goals for ourselves, writing those goals down, it's so important to write it down because then it puts it into words that you can see and to remind ourselves of what is my goal for this season as an individual player, but also what is my goal as a team and what are some things that I can do to accomplish that? What are some steps that I can take? Because if we're just running around playing frisbee without any goal in mind, there's not really any point to that. So being able to strive to something that's bigger than just ourselves is so important. And I think you've definitely helped us to to dream bigger than we thought was possible. I mean, I remember at the beginning of the season, you talking about going to nationals and my immediate thought was just, oh, there's no way that we could do that. Man, I love the honesty. So real. Now, Tori, what do you think is the most important aspect that you've learned whenever it comes to being a part of a team that is going for something great? I think being able to to dream big is, is really important because I think I can dream too small of wanting just to stay in my little box of what we can accomplish and what's safe. And it can be scary to to write down a big goal, but putting it down and hoping that you can achieve that helps make it possible to speak something into existence and having that kind of mindset is really important. And I think just on our team this year, we've really We've really had quality players over just quantity. It's not necessarily our our biggest team or anything like that, but being able to 
have players that are all invested is so important because we've had years where you just never know if you can really trust their commitment. But when you are all striving towards that same goal, it allows us to work together and we're not conflicted on, oh, are we just there to have fun or are we there to win? We're all in there for the same same reason. What we did were contracts. And I think that made a huge difference. And what we worked on the most, I would say, with the Jills was very focused practice. That has been huge. Everything has been timed out. Everything has been thought out so that we can implement every single fundamental that I could think of and do it in a way that it became unconscious. And so going into this tournament, regionals. It was the first time we had ever been to regionals. One of the teams that was there had been had gone to national six out of the last eight years. They were very confident when we showed up and we did not look confident right away, but we knew that we could win. That was the key. We got there the morning. It was 7.30 a.m. and we're throwing around and we're not looking like we're feeling great about our throws. We're looking a little groggy, but then we had our first talk, really got focused in, and then we brought it. The first few points were tough. They were like at any at any beginning, whenever you both meet head on, it gets really tough in the game. However, the team that can be the most consistent and persistent is going to be the one that gains the momentum. And that's what we did. And we kept it. And we just kept rolling all the way to the end until it was 15-7 first game. The second game was against Barry College. And Barry's out of Rome, Georgia. They're another Division Three school. And their coach is someone I used to play Ultimate with back in the day. I was the captain on the team that he was on. But really ramped up the rivalry. As soon as I didn't know he was the coach going into the weekend. Because this was our first regionals. And he lives a very long way away from me now. But whenever he showed up and I saw him, I was like, oof. He, he had played on a, on a professional team. <laughs> he had been very successful after we ended up playing together that one season. I had also been very successful too, not to toot my own horn, but I would say he had even been more successful. That was a little intimidating going into the game, knowing that, especially when his players, they looked very tough. They, they had people that could throw the disc a very long way. They had people that were fast. The only thing that I could do, and this is what we talked about the entire day of games, was keeping the focus small. Focusing on one part of the game at a time. One throw. One catch. One point. One game to three. And that was it. It was always a game to three. Are we going to win this game to three? And everybody was buying into it. Winning that game to three. All of a sudden, it became the game within the game. And by the time we won, I didn't even know we had won. <laughs> it, we, I just knew that we were rolling. And we were just going to keep going until the end and not even look up. That's how it, it was. <laughs> we laughed. We cried. We did something that the university had been trying to do for 10 years. Something that I had been trying to do for 8 years. We did it. I believe it's because this team fully bought in. And not only that, I fully bought into what I had been telling myself for so long. Something that, things that I knew that worked, but I was scared to talk about it. And so that's what I want you to take away from this as well. You've got to be strong in your beliefs. 
Now's the time we got to stand up for what we believe in. And we have to have beliefs that are in alignment with great values. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Obviously, Tori, you know, uh, whenever it comes to winning and losing, it's so close. And and many times we don't want to look at what might be causing us to fail because those take some really hard decisions. But if you're looking at our team, knowing what our goal is and what we're going for, what do you think is the number one area that we need to improve upon if we're going to be our best? I think as a team, I think we should have the mindset that we have going into games as we do into practice. Because I think sometimes it is hard to, obviously we want to have fun at practice and everything, but when we take practice less seriously, we are setting ourselves up to think that way in games also. And so having the mindset of going into every practice as if it was our national championship and adding a level of seriousness to that and competitiveness and being able to get in our zone in practice, not just in games. So Tori, what do you think you'll remember the most? I think I'll remember most is just the people. Some of my best friends are on this team, and so I think those relationships are going to be what I take with me for the rest of my life. But also, kind of like I mentioned earlier, the importance of commitment is something that we really value on the team. And so having that type of commitment in all areas of my life, whether that's in my marriage or whether that's with my family or my job, being able to be fully committed to the things that I say yes to, I think is really important. Also, again, as I've said, just being able to, to dream big and to not to not limit myself in that way. How real was that? <laughs> Tori, thank you so much for coming on and being with us and sharing your wisdom of what you've learned and also just helping people at the end of the day because all of these processes and strategies that we've been over have worked for her and they can work for you too. But number one thing, and I think she said it a few times, is you have to do it. You have to take the steps in order to get there after you write down what you want. And lots of times that's where we stop. And so making it very possible for yourself to do that, putting yourself in a situation to win is extra important. Next is the Tennessee football game against Ole Miss. My alma mater hadn't been to a game in many years. First sold out game in many years. (laughs) (laughs) 103,000 people, the Lane Kiffin, the Ole Miss coach, the coach that left Tennessee in the middle of the night when I was there at Knoxville is coming home. It is not a warm welcome. (laughs) That night he left, couches burned. That became a thing. People were burning their couches. He left in the middle of the night and he's coming back. That's one thing. Also, our coach now made it clear that he wanted the fans to deliver and show up before the game. He was very specific to be there early and be loud. We wanted to deliver as well because of how great this team had played all year long and the passion that they played with. And we brought the passion too. And that's what he wanted. He wanted that. And I love it whenever people use passion in a good way, to motivate others. I think it's wonderful. I think it's, it's positive. 
And I think it can really make a positive difference, even though at the end of the game, after a long game of horrible calls and the stadium so loud that people couldn't even hear whistles or were hearing fake whistles, it was so loud and fake injuries. And at the end, you feel like you get cheated with only two camera angles and a hundred million dollar game. The money they made off that game and they have two camera angles and it confuses people. I get it. I I understand why they did it. I don't think it's right. But I had my pregnant wife there and I see bottles flying in over my head. I even saw this one lady right in front of me pick up a full Coke bottle, Coca-Cola, and throw it down 150 feet and it whizzed right past the Ole Miss band. (laughs) Yeah. It was bad. I yelled at her. I was really mad when I saw that because I was thinking, I was thinking about my wife at that moment. You know, someone throwing something and, and hitting hitting us. Many were arrested, and I think it just proved that passion and alcohol can lead to some pretty dumb decisions. And I think that's why they need to stop selling alcohol at college football games. I mean, who? No one needs to spend fifteen dollars on a beer anyway. Honestly, it also makes for some long bathroom lines. But I overall, to sum up that game, I think that people give up too soon. The Tennessee fan base, many of them had given up and they were throwing trash on the field. There were 54 seconds left and three timeouts. And I was freaking out because, yeah, it was so close to being a really good uh, situation for Tennessee to, hey, there's still a chance. It's a smaller chance, but there's still a chance. And people started throwing bottles and, and golf balls and mustard <laughs> onto the field. And it made for just terrible news when the news should have been people faking injuries. And it's such a low way to win, in my opinion. It's a rule that is being abused. And I feel like it teaches your players to cheat to win like what type of example it's not just I would say it if anybody used it if if any of any team that I rooted for did that I would feel like they're cheating the game and you can have a lot of different opinions on that hey they need to change the rules maybe so but I still think that everyone who sees that knows that something about it's not right makes for a more of a gray area in life Anyway, what a weekend. (laughs) What a weekend at the Tennessee game. Friends that I hadn't seen in a very long time. Then the final weekend of this was the experience of going to the Formula One race down in Austin, Texas. Absolutely incredible. Other than Austin is has a has a big homeless problem, which sucks. You hate to see it. Lots of homeless people lots of homeless people down there. Lots of areas that aren't pleasing to the eye for being a, a city in what I consider a, a great state. That that was tough to see. Getting to the Formula One race. Oh, we get there. It's my dad and I. We're going down to Austin. We get there on Thursday night late, two AM, because it's a ten hour drive, ten and a half hour drive from where we are we end up showing up to the racetrack the next day on friday for practice round one and two we end up walking up this hill because i had booked the tickets five months ago and we end up walking up the hill and i'm we're going to section or turn one we get there and they're like sorry i don't know where this is it so the ticket says mg like mg what is that and we end up finding out that our tickets are in the main grandstand 
right next to the start line. We go from having pretty terrible tickets to having incredible tickets. It was because of my dad. Because right when I was going to buy them, I was trying to save money. And he, he called me. He's like, look, don't worry about the money. This is a once in a lifetime experience. Let's let's go big. And the last second I changed our tickets to the main grandstand. <laughs> and I'd forgotten all about it because it all happened so fast. We ended up having those sick tickets. Lewis Hamilton, seven-time world champion. One of the best drivers, if not the best driver in the entire world. He's definitely the greatest of all time at this moment. Comes out on the main screen and he talks about the unconscious mind. Y'all, it blew my mind because what he basically said was that they're doing things that don't make sense to people. They're reacting so fast. It's in it's in these moments you don't have time to think and they're operating and using a different part of their mind. And that's what I teach. That's what I want you to understand is there is part of your brain that you're not using, not training. And that is using conscious mind to let the unconscious take over. But the key is you've got to train unconsciously. And part of being able to do something unconsciously is just being able to say, hey, do it and let it take over. Letting it take over is half the battle. If you can just let it take over and let your mind relax, even when you're doing something like running hard or being super stressed in a Formula One car, as soon as you can do that, your game is going to go to a whole new level, assuming that you've trained the unconscious mind in the best possible fundamentals will allow you to be your best. That's what's most important. The race overall was incredible. They're driving so fast, zero to 60 in one second, 1.5 seconds, something insane. They're just so quick. But it also came down to a nail-biting finish which made it even better considering it was Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen going down to the wire. The experience overall was incredible. What was cool about the event is that I learned a lot. The first thing is I learned how much I did not know about Formula One. There's just so much to it that I still don't even understand, but it is an incredibly addictive sport. The people that were around us were incredible as well. Shaq, George Lucas, Matthew McConaughey, they were all there. I saw Shaq. That dude is huge standing over (laughs) Lewis Hamilton and all the other drivers. All of those guys are people I respect a ton, so it made for even a better event. But overall, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And on the next one, what we're going to talk about is how to put these steps that I talked about in action. That's what we're going to work on. We're going to work on actually how to implement it and do it consistently. So cannot wait to have you on the next one. Till next time. Peace. 